When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins hockey talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online. Another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a Patreon member to be eligible for weekly Boston hockey prizes and monthly Boston Bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways. Please go to patreon.com slash podcast and donate just $1 per episode. Many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show. everybody welcome back to the black and gold hockey podcast this is episode 294 and it's brought to you by betonline.ag please go to betonline.ag and use that promo code clns50 because it does us a great deal of service uh, help pays the bills of our small sports media company hope everybody is well today it's a beautiful day outside the black and gold production sports media company studios so we took the studio outside today to enjoy this beautiful weather Joining me today is Black and Gold Hockey Podcast writer Nathan Anderson. Nathan, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me back again. I think this is time number two, so excited oh. to be back. 
<laughs> go figure. I'm getting old and losing my losing my mind each and every day. <laughs> but also joining us from across the pond over in the United Kingdom is uh, also Black and Gold Productions writer and BlackandGoldHockey.com website writer, Mark Whitfield. Mark, welcome to the program, sir. Hi, thanks for having me on. Nice to be here. Absolutely. Thank you both for the time today. Uh, just uh, basically, we got comments already coming in. So, hey, Palmer Fred's in the house. What's up, Palmer? And uh, please uh, provide us some questions because the listeners are driving this boat today. We want to hear from so many people that want to talk about Boston Bruins hockey and and basically what they're feeling as the 2022-23 season is fastly coming. We're like four, under 50 days away. I believe it's 45 from the um, the start of the uh, the regular season campaign. And I think it's even less than that, 25, 26 days from the first preseason game. So Lots of talk, lots to talk about. Um, please fill us, like I said, please fill us with questions. Um, but um, I, I basically start with a topic right now. Is uh, oh, actually, wait a minute, let's do this uh, as we start to get more pe- more people in. We are looking to grow our um, our sports media company. So if anybody out there wants to uh, do an audio podcast, at least a half an hour a week, up to two hours or become a website writer, or even go on YouTube and be our official YouTube person, please reach out. Send me an email at llc at gmail.com, and uh, we'll love to get you on the team somehow. Um, we have a lot of fun here. And uh, we have some media credentials uh, throughout the uh, the minor pro system, try, still trying to knock on the, uh, the door of NHL creds uh, for the Bruins, but that uh, continues to be a work in progress, but we're not giving up there. So... Uh, join our team. We we have a lot of fun, and 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 you know it's good to get together with great folks like these two uh, handsome bastards and talk freaking Boston Bruins hockey. So, um, yeah. So why don't we just jump right in? Uh, thoughts on uh, the new coach um, Jim Montgomery? Uh, his addition to the team seems like it's going to spark uh, some creativity in the minds of some young folks that might not have been there um, throughout uh, Bruce Cassidy's tenure. Um, how do you think the voice is going to change, and and what do you, what are your expectations uh, coming up for the season? Keep in mind that there's going to be some players that are not going to be on the roster to start the year. Mark, why don't we start from you since you're the furthest away? Um, I think having that change of voice is going to have quite a big impact. Um, you often see teams bouncing back. You get that initial sort of bounce where um, that new voice comes into a changing room and completely changes things. I don't think necessarily Jim Montgomery is going to do a huge amount different i think there's going to be a lot of sort of continuity um and particularly with the the guys that he's got in there at the moment um less those who are going to be injured i think actually it's just going to be a bit of a change of attitude maybe some of that bad feeling that was knocking around the changing room beforehand um might be gone uh which would be good uh but it'd be good to see sort of the the way that they try to to react and respond to having that new voice in the, the, the dressing room nathan what are your thoughts yeah i think i agree with a lot of what mark said i think uh, hopefully he maybe gets them playing a little bit tougher. I think when you look at Jim Montgomery, he looks like a, a tough guy. He looks like a guy that you'd see behind the bench of a big, bad Bruins team. Um, so hopefully maybe he gets them playing a little bit more physical. I think that's been a big uh, call from the fans is get these guys playing a little more physical because we've seen them get pushed around a little bit the last few years in the playoffs. But I agree. I don't think he's going to do too, too much different. I mean, we have a, a huge core still here, guys that have been here five or six years. So you don't want to kind of, kind of reinvent the wheel when you've had a 
a good team, especially with so many guys missing. Uh, I think it'll be a lot about just getting the best out of what he's got to start with the season. Yeah, and and I'm excited for his uh, his arrival. To be honest with you, um, like I said, it, it's a new voice. You're gonna get some more creative, uh, especially out of the younger players. Uh, maybe give some younger players down in Providence uh, more of a shot and so on. That would be nice to see. Um, defense wise, I'm really I'm really intrigued by what John Gruden's gonna bring to the Boston Bruins team, um, and and how both of them are going to address the physicality factor. Um, for, for me personally, Nathan, when you talk about the uh, the physicality, I really want to see something be, uh, come in new, like a free agent and so on. The cheap, you know, back in the day, the Pat Maroons back in the day, you know, that type of player to come in. But they have not, the Bruins have not done that um, in recent years. And I think they are always trying to look for that player that has, that plays that all dimensional type of game that can, you know, play offensively, play grindy and also drop the gloves if needed. Um, I really don't believe we need a goon on the, on the team anymore. I hate calling him a goon, but uh, just that role player that you're only out there for a couple of minutes a night just to intimidate. I don't, I don't want to see that. I want to see more uh, players involved, um, you know, all, all around. So. Yeah, I don't think you can get away with just being out there to run guys into the stands anymore, especially the way the, the speed that the league is played at. I mean, it's hard to have one of your five guys out there just to hit. And you might get caught out there with someone like Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby, who's just going to skate the wheels off the team. So, like you said, you can't really just have someone out there whose only job is to be physical anymore. They have to be able to add something a little bit different. But I think it will be important to get someone like a Pat Maroon um, who, can, who can get out there and, and throw their body around in addition to offensively. And I also think it's important to note that, right, we don't want to harp too much on it because it's in his past, but Jim Montgomery wasn't let go because he was doing a bad job necessarily at his previous job. It was some off-the-ice stuff. So I think – the Bruins really got a good coach. It's not like they got someone who's been having issues coaching a team. Uh, he, he's been doing a good job with his previous positions. So I think that's something to be excited about as well. Absolutely. Hey, Fred Palmer comes in with a question. Mike Sullivan's in the house. What up, Mike? How you doing, buddy? Uh, please check out something Bruin. Uh, Mike Sullivan's podcast that he does with uh, Nick Melanson and brother. Uh, Zach, they do a fantastic program, and and then new to the BNG network, so a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Uh, Palma Fred, out of the new acquisitions, who do you like the best, and who to watch out for? I like Zaka, to be honest with you. I like the uh, his addition. Um, not only is it going is Zaka going to play an important role, and I'm not saying he's going to go all the way up to the top line to fill in for Brad Marchand, but to have him in the lineup, I think this is going to be like a resurgence of his career and, and to get some a little, a little bit of creativity out of his game um, and, and possibly when the team is all healthy, uh, play a valuable role on uh, the left side of uh, a player like Charlie Coyle and, and Craig Smith on the right if he's still here, uh, you know, if rumors are true and so on. Um, I think that it's going to be a big year, obviously a contract year for Pavel Zaka. So he's going to want to uh, maximize everything that he does on and off the ice to to really impress for a, for a longer contract, and and that's just going to be good. You know, we can get the best out of him. I mean, some New New Jersey fans really didn't like the, the player at all when he was uh, in in the later years of his career down in in Jersey, but 
I think that um, I think he's going to be a good one. Um, and you know, it's a, it remains to be seen scenario, of course. But I think that um, you know, when healthy, I think that everybody could like really benefit from having a player like this, uh, having him on the team. Sorry, I'm freaking babbling my words. Mike, what are your uh, Mark? What are your thoughts on uh, Palmer's question? Uh, well, without wanting to sound like I'm just piggybacking on what you've just said, um, I think yeah, Zachary is probably the the one that I'm quite excited about. Um, obviously, he's not necessarily a new signing or new acquisition, but um, Krejci coming back, um, there's a lot of excitement about that. I'm slightly more reserved about it. Um, player towards the back end of his career, maybe playing overseas um, and then trying to get back into the NHL. We'll have to wait and see as to whether or not he's actually got what it, what he had before. Um, but yeah, certainly Zaka, um, I think there's a, there's a potentially decent upside to him. Um, and it's just trying to find out whereabouts really he fits in the organisation, um, particularly when the injuries start coming back um, and, and get back into the team. Yep. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. I think um, it's it's tough because the Bruins haven't done a whole lot with with new acquisitions. It's It's pretty similar to what we saw last year. I think what I'm most looking forward to is probably seeing Hampus Lindholm in a full season. Um, and hopefully he steps up a little bit. He's going to need to with some of the holes on defense. But I think watching him play for a whole season is, is going to be really, really fun. And then, like you guys said, I think Zach is going to be really important, not only to kind of help fill the gap with Marshawn gone at the beginning of the season, but also when he's back and hopefully Zaka can slide into more of a second or third line role and kind of be a, a little bit like that Pat Maroon type player that, that we're looking for. Maybe not quite as physical as Pat Maroon, but a guy who's a little bit bigger. I think he's six, three, six, four and, and can score the puck hopefully. And I think, him playing with Charlie Coyle, we know Coyle does a lot of good work down in the corners, down in the dirty areas. So hopefully he can get the puck to Zaka in some good spaces for him to score. Yeah, Jason uh, brings up a, a good point here. Jason Larati, what's up? How you doing? Thank you for uh, jumping in on the stream. Always a faithful one when we do these things. I know it's been it's been a hot minute since we've done these live streams, but we want to do more and more of these um every week get more involved more people involved at bng and uh obviously our faithful listeners that uh are constantly listen to us babble about this awesome and amazing team uh, but uh jason says since it's a contract year for Zaka, do you think he will get a look at center at some point to, for me i'm a, that's a hard no sorry about the construction work next door i didn't know that they're going to be doing that but hopefully it's not too much on the on the ears of the viewers and listeners um but I do not want to see Zaka at center and then have a player like Coyle shift to a wing. I'm, I'm all set with that. Checked out a long time ago. Not a big fan of uh, Coyle on the right side. Um, just by the center depth that we have right now with the additions of Bob Treese Bergeron and David Krejci, Coyle in the middle, I really don't see uh, where Zaka can fit um, at center. And But his versatility could be used in different situations. It might not be the starting lineup. You see him on the right side, but obviously Jim Montgomery can, you know, have a little bit of creative thought to kind of move him around if needed in game time. I know Bruce Cassidy was famous for doing line shifts throughout a game to try to match up uh, as best as he can. Uh, we'll see. It remains to be seen what, what Jim Montgomery does with, uh, with Zaka there, but 
I'd rather see him on the wing, to be honest. It just seems like it's a, a it's a better fit. Um, he's seems like he's more natural on the left side. So we'll, um, you know, we'll see what happens in camp because it's going to be interesting on how everything uh, comes together uh, as uh, the preseason is only you know, 20, 25, 26 days away. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's just it's just too hard to get him in at center. I mean, you have Bergeron, you have Krejci, you have Coyle. Those are your three centers. If you if you really, really wanted him at center, you could play him on the fourth line, but you're not paying him to play the fourth line. You're paying him way too much to stick him on the fourth line. So maybe he gets a look at center on, on a power play or something like that, depending on what those lines look like. But in terms of the five-on-five five lines, I just don't see any way that you get him in at center. Mark? Yeah, I was going to say, I think the only really – realistic way you could see him in at centre is if there's an injury. Um, he's got the versatility to move around, as you've said, um, but I just don't think with the depth that we've got at the moment it, that he'll get a look in. Uh, and like I say, there's no point putting him on the fourth line. It's just no point. Yeah. Um, moving on to another... I'm Sorry, I had to share that on Twitter. Um, moving on to another topic about... And it's not it's not in line with what Palmer uh, Fred is saying, but uh, some, some players that are, are going to be exciting to, for, for me at least to watch is, is a guy like Jakob Zaborl. Um, I really think that in the small sample size we had before he got injured and as he was coming in to cover for somebody that was injured last year, I thought he did really good in that small time frame, And unfortunately uh, a season ending injury, Never good, but it just seems like he's on track with training and everything this year to have a, an explosive year and really stand out in camp. Um, I Obviously, this is his seventh year in the system. Not going to go back to the, the 2015 uh, draft crap talk and so on, but maybe just players uh, take a little bit longer than others, and, and some folks aren't just happy about that, but oh well. Um, but I, I think that he's going to be a – more impactful player and really going to be tough um, to get out of the uh, out of the lineup uh, when when the uh, preseason starts because um, I, I just like what I see from him. I think that he can be a player that a defenseman that that can float up and down your your top three, and um, and I really want to see him sometime with with Charlie McAvoy. I, I think that'd be a great pairing. And 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 I'm not I wouldn't be hurt if a player like if if like on the power play. I would probably go Lindholm McAvoy, absolutely, you know. But if it's just a, a five-on-five, I wouldn't mind seeing a player like Campus Lindholm, who's a little more defensively sound than um, Brandon Carlo, pair it up on the same line. And that, I think that'd be kind of fun. But uh, who knows? Yeah, Zaboro is an interesting one because I think at his best, he's probably a little bit more of a of a two-way defenseman than some of the other guys. I mean, you have Grizzlick's fairly offensive-minded, Forbert's fairly stay-at-home, Mike Riley even is fairly offensive-minded. So I think Zaboral is a good option for someone who could play more of a two-way game. He could maybe hopefully get involved a little bit offensively, but also hopefully be a little bit more solid on the back end. And... I think with McAvoy out to start the season, we're going to see Carlo and Lindholm probably on the top line. And if those guys work well together, 
I don't necessarily know that you want to break that up just because McAvoy comes back in. A lot of times I feel like teams do that and it doesn't really quite work out the best way. So maybe you do see Zaboral and McAvoy and uh, th- that brings Zaboral's level to another level even. I mean, it maybe upgrades him to someone who can play on that top line. I mean, we've seen that's, – that's when you know a player's really good and maybe that's the next step is to make – someone who plays next to him even any option like you said mark yeah what are your thoughts mark uh on the defenseman and 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 Jakob's Borrell's like uh coming out yeah which possibly could happen this season yeah so uh, just to sort of jump on what Nathan was saying there about um not wanting to mess with the sort of chemistry so if you've got that those lines that have been playing well and playing well until Christmas like you say, you don't want to necessarily mess with that. So sticking him with, you know, Charlie McAvoy, actually, like you say, a good pairing there. Um, uh, so the size might potentially um, assist McAvoy in sort of providing that anchor for him to play it forward with. Um, but yeah, um, I think really I'm just looking forward to Charlie McAvoy getting back, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, yeah, the sooner the better. And it's unfortunate that he had to go through that, but... And to be totally honest, um, the timing was good for him to have that surgery. And, you know, I know that a lot of Boston Bruins fans are really down on on the start of the year, basically already saying that they're going to be out of the playoff picture, blah, blah, blah. You know, if you could just tread water, we talked about this on the Black and Hockey podcast last week. If you could just tread water and, like, win a little more than half of your games, I think that they're going to be in, in a better position when these players do come back. Um in you know december that time and i I, i'm not saying that this boston bruins team is going to be first in the atlantic second or even third in the atlantic but getting into the playoffs and going from there even as a wild card team is not that bad when you look at this upcoming season i know it's not the expectations that every boston bruins fan wants to hear but when you're thinking about the start of the year and the players that aren't going to be around and who we have on a healthy roster it doesn't scream to me that they're a Stanley Cup uh, contender, to be honest with you. And I'm not saying that because I hate my Bruins. I'm just saying that as a realist, like, you know, we didn't make that many huge moves because we're up against the salary cap every freaking year. It seems we just can't go out and get some of those big name players. Um, I just don't think that there's there's a, a huge run. I'm, I'm happy with the playoff. You, you get in the playoffs this year, I'm happy with it. Um, obviously I do want to see a winning team, but I find that the, the winning team could be the following year. Once this Boston Bruins team has more cap available, uh, more, uh, roster spots that are available for uh, players to either earn or, uh, come in via free agency. I think that's the year that they can really put something together. And I'm also going to go on record and say that Patrice Bergeron and, uh, David Krejci will both be back next year. It's a bold claim. It's a hot bold take. Claim. I know it. I know it. It's a spicy hot take, but what are the odds on yeah. better AG? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the start of the season, we've got quite a few tough matchups coming up without some of our better players, and particularly, you know, um, McAvoy um, and Marchand. Having those players when you're playing the Caps and the Avs, you know, you really want them there, but. Once you get into January, if they're back and they're firing on all cylinders, like, you know, you're going into the run with people who are fresher, picking up more and more fitness as they get there. Like you say, all you need to get into the playoffs and then, you know, 
all cards you know all better off you can you can see a bit of a run coming you might not see them as a Stanley Cup team at this stage but when it's the playoffs it's the playoffs and you know you can never really count anyone out absolutely absolutely yeah uh jumping in on the questions and thank you very much for everybody who's been participating this has been awesome and keep them coming please and we'll try to read them off as much as possible but uh Bill Bird in the house he says, will Lauko ever get a serious look? And that's Jakob Lauko, uh, drafted in the third round, I believe, of 2018. Um, I don't know about Jakob. I, I, I cover the Providence Bruins as a credential uh, media member, and I follow the team very closely. I just see a decline in his playing ability. Um, and I'm not saying he can't get it back. I'm saying that it, it, this... He's playing a very weird game right now where he's being more physical, more angry, more aggressive than than his um his uh offensive potential that we all saw in 2018 basically when he was at development camp and then came into training camp and 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 scored a huge goal in the preseason. Um yeah, th- those were exciting times for Jakob Lauko, but um this year this upcoming year, I don't I, I don't know where he's going to be in his development. Um, he's fighting a lot more. He's sticking up for his his, his uh, teammates, which is not a bad thing. But you hate to see that talent and that offensive push that he had so early just fade away a little bit. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe he can come out and have a breakout year this year. But to be honest and, 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 to, and to answer Bill's question, I don't think he's going to be uh, NHL with the Bruins. He might be NHL sooner or later, uh, but I think it's going to be with another team. I'm not. I'm not really sure if they – if they continue with our relationship, to be honest with you, unless he comes out and just absolutely blows it out offensively this year, then you, you know, you gotta, you gotta stick with a, a low risk and high reward at that point. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's not, he's not someone I'm too, too familiar with, but I have, I have his hockey DB pulled up and just looking at his stats. I mean, it's not, you're looking at nine points, 19 points, 16 points, like, He's not exactly blowing it out of the water in Providence. It's not like we have someone tearing up the AHL who, for some reason, just isn't isn't getting a shot at the NHL. Honestly, he's probably got to show something more in Providence before he gets anywhere near even being called up for injuries. I mean, and like you said, maybe it's not here. Maybe it's a different system will fit him better or a different uh, coach somewhere. But I think right now especially with some of the names ahead of him even i think it's just hard to see him getting a shot unless something goes really wrong which hopefully does not absolutely mike sullivan stop it i'm gonna slap your hand i'm gonna slap this guy's hand like a mother that is caught the kids reaching into a um pot of cookies or a whatever you want to call that stop it mike i hate you (laughs) Absolutely not. I know we do not need Milan Lucic here. Um, slow, declining, cap hit is just ridiculous. Uh, he's uh, currently on a one year with the Calgary Flames, and I wouldn't even take him at a discount um, as a free agent under a million dollars the season after. We don't. This Boston Bruins team seriously needs to stop the clock locking of prospects that are coming up with these aging veterans they constantly do it they did it with david backus they're doing it right now with nick felino and it bring in a guy like lucic yes 
Everybody wants to see him kick somebody's ass. Whoa. That's amazing. A hockey, a fight in hockey. Unbelievable. But he's got to be more offensive. He's got to be, he's got to contribute more than just putting somebody's uh, face through a, a piece of glass like Mike Ryan back in the day. So, Mike, stop it. The nostalgia people kill me. They really do. It's just like, come on. I mean, we're trying to go for a yeah. cup in the next year or two. Why are we always taking steps backwards? Like, let's get the band back together. It's an absolute ridiculous thing to do. Sorry, that's my take. It, it would be pretty cool to see him if if the if the Bruins won a cup. It would be cool to see Lutic on that team. But I don't know if those two things coexist very well. But now um, you get you're getting the same people that are like, "Hey, Chara's available. Let's bring him back." I'm like, "Come on, Jesus! What are we doing here?" Yeah, it's like we're not going to recreate 2011 again with players that are always on the decline. It's yeah. got to get better. You got to get healthier, and it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I and I, I agree. I, I would like to see some of these young guys come through and contribute, but I think the tough thing is, I think the drafting has to get a little bit better as well in order for that to happen. I think it's it's tough when you want to see some of these young guys given a chance and contributing to a good team, but if they're getting called up and they're not really getting it done, then you do have to kind of rely on some of the some of the more experienced guys who at least know what they're doing a little bit more. So. I'm all for someone like Stadnika getting, like like Mike said in the chat, getting a bunch of games this year. But if he's if he's showing up and he's not giving the team anything productive, then it's going to be hard to defend that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, real quick, Mark, uh, what are your thoughts on on the return of Milan Lucic or any <laughs> any of these people that won a cup back in the uh, in, in the other century? I mean, they've done it before, so they can do it again, right? Um, no, I mean, we are talking, about 20 minutes ago about how everyone's going about on about we need more toughness, we need more robustness. But actually, what we want is that toughness, the ability to grind, but with a skill set that they can actually contribute to the team rather than just pounding someone's face into the glass. Um, I know I've heard it several times recently that, you know, every team on every chat forum is always asking for more toughness. And I just don't think the game's quite there. Um, it is much more of a skillful game. It is a faster-paced game. And like you say, if you've got Conor McDavid coming down the wing and Lucic is there, we only know there's only one way that that's going to end. Um, and you know, we don't need to be harking back to the past all the time. Um, yeah. You know, if yeah, we can move on a little bit. Jason says it perfect right here. It's like I don't want Lucic, but it would be nice to have a guy. That on a regular shift and uh, keep other teams honest. Maybe Beecher can become that guy. I don't know about Beecher. I'd rather see Beecher in an offensive uh, role than a tough guy role, to be honest with you. Um, speaking of Beecher, big camp, uh, big uh, development camp this year. Uh, he's going to have, a, a, um, I, I think, a really good season in Providence. Um, you know, more games, more trust from um, uh, head coach Ryan Mujanel and and Trent Whitfield on, on, on the uh, assistant staff, along with Matt Thomas and so on. But um, going back to um, what Mike Sullivan said, interesting people are talking about Stadnika and, and how many games he's going to get. Um, for me, it really – see, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off on a little tangent here. I don't really understand what the contract was with Stadnika and Oscar Steen. Oscar Steen gets a one-way deal. That's it. So if he if he doesn't make the roster this year and needs Providence AHL, 
He's waiver exempt. He has to go through waivers. But the Stanika deal is a two-way to start the first year, and it's a one-way the second year. So obviously, he's. I think he's going to have to pass anyway through waivers, regardless. But that also may opens up a, a an opportunity for Stanika on the right side, if a player like Craig Smith is uh, is traded for cap relief. Two point something million over the cap right now. The Bruins have to be compliant by October 14th uh, or even earlier than that. Um, you know, I could see him being a more of a regular player only if Craig Smith is moved. What are your thoughts on this, uh, Mark? I think it's going back to what we've said already. The depth is there that it makes it difficult for new guys like him. Well, he's not you, obviously, but younger guys like him coming through um, and, and getting into the system. I think uh, with him, I like him a lot. Um, uh, and just looking at stats, last time he was in, no, last year uh, when he was in the NHL, he didn't have a particularly amazing production, three points um, in 15 games. Um, so obviously, you'd like to see that getting up there uh, a little bit higher. I think maybe a little bit longer in the AHL just to make sure that he's sort of a bit more rounded, gets a bit older, uh, a bit more sort of stamina, a bit more strength that that comes with it. I think he could potentially look at uh, a a bit of a better run next year. Um, In terms of the number of games this year, a a few more games I think would really help him develop his game. Um, I'm not sure it would necessarily help the Bruins get in their playoff spot. Um, But I think uh, if we're looking to the future, I think he does need to get that little bit more experience at the NHL level, just to sort of round out his game a little bit more. Absolutely. Quick thought on that, uh, Nathan, or uh, can we move on to a commercial? It's uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll give a quick thought. It's really hard with the Bruins for some of these young guys because, like we've said, you need to come in and make an instant impact because it's not a team that's rebuilding. So some of these other places you can give a guy uh, a whole season even to develop in the NHL and get used to the NHL because they have no ambition of making the playoffs. With the Bruins, you want to see him in the playoffs so – Bringing a guy in who's not going to put up points is kind of a little bit of a tougher ask and a little bit tougher to convince the fan base that it's a good idea. So, like we've said, the depth, I don't know. Maybe he comes in if a guy like Krejci needs a rest so we can see him on the top. I know we've talked before. Stanika's a tough guy to get in there because you don't want to see him on the third and fourth line. That's not where he projects. So, unless you're giving him second line time and if he's being productive on the second line, it's hard to get him games in the NHL. Absolutely. Totally agree with that, my man. All right, let's talk about a new sponsor uh, to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, and it is Can I Wellness. We've probably heard the very popular product, and it's very good for different things that are thrown at you per day. Um, if you're hung over a little bit, you know, you you got the uh, Can I Mend. I, I take that all the time. I, 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 I like my seltzers and so on. Might have too many on a school night, but the next day at work, couple squirts under the tongue hold it there for about 25 seconds honestly it brings me right back to like a hundred percent basically basically a hundred percent a couple couple cups of coffee also help too but if you don't have coffee also can i boost is something that is also um, something you could do to get you back on track during the day and more focus and so on but this stuff for like after uh workouts and so on that you could take and so on and it's it and it's an, a non-cbd plant-based oral spray and um, 
And please go to caniwellness.com and check them out. And if you do happen to buy any of these products, please consider using the code B and G25 for 25% off the entire website. Everything on the website is 25% off when you use the code B and G25. Um, seriously, battle the day. Get, you know, there's so many things that hit you, that you a stressful situation, um, uh, get preparing um, a presentation at work. These are the types of things that you could take just to calm you down and get you more focused to do your daily job. So please check out caniwellness.com and tell them that the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast sent you by using that promo code BNG25. Glad to have Can I Wellness on board, to be honest with you. They are a fantastic company. Um, you've heard them on uh, Spit and Chicklets, a very, very popular hockey podcast. So, and we're glad to be working with them. Um, all right, back to the Boston Bruins hockey talk. Um, where are we going here? Oh, geez. Um, Bill Bird brings up a very interesting one considering the NCAA level, uh, and that's Mel Pearson at uh, Michigan. He is out. Uh, no longer the coach there anymore. Um, what I will say is it's an ongoing investigation. So I'm just going to speculate on a lot of the things right now. I'm not a, I'm not a criminal expert and so on, but there was some pretty nasty things that went on uh, during his tenure at, at Michigan, um, including telling players to lie about their, their COVID status just to, to get into action and so on. Um, there was some, uh, nasty name calling. I'm not going to repeat it here when uh, he addressed the player uh, and, and a lot of uh, really, really negative stuff that um, doesn't belong in today's game uh, or, or tomorrow's game or any of the future. Um, for me, hockey's taken a real bad turn lately. I mean, it all basically started with the Chicago Blackhawks thing and then it just really went out of, you know, I will commend the, um, the uh, applaud. Sorry. I will applaud all those uh, like Rick Westhead and, and Katie Strang and all those tremendous hockey writers that are going out there and doing the due diligence to find these bastards and take care of them for what they've done to certain players under their, the wings of an organization. But some of this stuff is just really getting out of hand and it needs to stop. So uh, Mel Pearson is no longer the coach there. Um, I don't want to speculate if that uh, environment had anything to do with like a Bruins prospect like Johnny Beecher and his decline stats at Michigan. But that remains to be seen if he ever comes out and, and talks about that and so on. But just a real bad, bad overall thing. I don't, I don't know if you guys have heard anything about it or, or read any of the articles. I read a little bit about it. Um, like you said, bad situation, basically just all around. And, it always it always stinks when stuff like this comes out because it was nice to see Michigan hockey getting back to a, a very competitive spot in the NCAA. I think it's always better when Michigan is a good team. There's there's just certain teams when the sport just looks better when those teams are good. I think the Red Wings are a team like that in the NHL. I'd like to see them get back into being competitive. The Bruins, I mean, we're a little biased, but I think around the league, the Bruins are probably – one of those teams that the league is just better when the Bruins are good. And I think Michigan is one of those teams for college hockey. So when you hear that stuff behind the scenes isn't being done right. And to that extent, it always is just like hurts a little bit to, to be kind of fooled, I guess, because we, we don't get to see any of that stuff. And 
especially when it's something as serious as as the COVID outbreak. It's just it stinks to hear that kind of after the fact. Yep. Mark, your thoughts? Yeah, I've sort of not really delved into the detail of it all um, for various reasons. But yeah, like you say, not commenting on the situation particularly, but there's there's been a lot of stories recently, as you say, about the, the culture in hockey, the culture surrounding hockey. I think the, the thing is that damages beyond the NHL. That damages, you know, the kids playing hockey, parents wanting to send their kids to go and play hockey. Uh, and actually what you need to do is, and, and what is happening now and what is the right thing that's happening is these things are coming out and people are being dealt with. Um, and hopefully, because that's happening, people will actually start to, to clear up the, the culture surrounding hockey and that'll get people falling in love with it again and getting kids into it and, and people getting involved again. Yeah. yeah same, thing, see it happening. same thing with, with what's going on in Canada and so on. I'm no ex- expert in, in everything like that, but, you know, the sexual assaults and so on and, and basically, you know, rape charges. You know, you basically several members of a of a certain uh, country's team took advantage of somebody and that's just not right and so on. But you know what bothers me about that whole situation is like like teams have funds for for stuff like that. Organizations like Canada have funds for we'll take care of it. We'll sweep it under the rug and and we'll move on. That's got to stop. You know, you see some see something, say something, get it done as soon as possible. And and if you know that uh, an organization is doing stuff like this, don't keep them around. Like Team Canada, they need to go throughout their whole staff and just wipe them out and start fresh. And then start the the learning curve of, of why these things are not acceptable in today's game or, or life in general. It doesn't even have to relate to hockey. Got to be a better person. Don't like take advantage of people. And, and you know, it's just going to be so much better later on. Shooter McGavin in the house. What's up? Good to have you. Um, and I'm, I did I did tell Kevin to burn that Dougie Hamilton jersey, by the way. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I want to jump back here to uh, this question by TB. Uh, thank you for uh, coming into the stream, TB. I really appreciate it. How does trading Smith benefit the team? Stanika would have to do something incredible to put in over Smith. Now, I'm not saying that Stanika is going to be better than Smith or anything like that. I, I'm just gravitating to when you look at uh, uh, puckpedia.com, you look at capfriendly.com, those websites that do tremendous work uh, salary cap wise. I'm sorry, but Craig Smith is the one that I gravitate to to move if you're clearing cap space. Um, that's basically all I want to do is just create a roster spot, number one, and a couple million dollars to uh, get under and be cap compliant. Not saying Sidney is better uh, than Smith at all, but. Um, I just I'm not a big fan of Smith at this point. I think he's on the decline. I I thought he would be a lot better than what he was when we got him. Um, he had a, he had a, you know a good first couple of years, but then I know injuries hampered him a little bit last year and so on. But with one year left on his deal, I think that he could be moved and and just to just it's just a cap dump to be honest with you. I think it could be an interesting thing to visit. Um, during the season, maybe if we see where the Bruins are, if you know if he's not having a great season, maybe move him and, and get ready for next year. If the Bruins aren't maybe having a great season, you move him and, and give someone like Stadnika a chance to get ready for next year. It kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier, Mark, with is it 
this year are we going for it or are we looking at next year or it's it's tough because we don't know what what the management is thinking on one hand you'd have Bergeron and Krejci on one-year deals which would kind of indicate that they're going to try to go for it this year but on the other hand they that's they haven't really done anything besides that to indicate that they're going to make a really strong push this year I don't know if they think that they're closer than we think that they are to making a run but it's kind of a weird situation now where we don't know if they're looking at this year or next year or what the goal is for this season and i think if the goal is make a cup run now they probably keep smith is the goal is make a cup run next year then the benefit of trading smith is that you give someone like stadnika a lot more time and a lot more opportunity to be ready for next year so I think it depends on what, what their goals are. And I know we've talked internally about it and everyone has all sorts of opinions. And I think that's partially because it's, it's confusing right now to know what the GM is thinking. What, what is Cam Neely thinking? A lot of their moves just aren't uh, totally adding up. And I think it'll remain to be seen. Yeah. Mark, your thoughts? Yeah, I was going to say, so the big benefit to, to getting rid of him now is firstly, you free up that cap space, they roster spot. But also, as you know, as Bill Bird is saying in the in the, the chat, that you get rid of him before he has a stinking season and he's still got some value. Um, and you might get something back for it. But also, you open that spot that Stadnika could get into and actually make some progress um, by playing some consistent NHL time rather than being down in the AHL. Um, I think that would probably be the biggest benefit of getting rid of him as soon as we can. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I just it's going to be interesting to see how everything works out in camp and who earns spots and who doesn't. Um, you know, a dark horse uh, to, to, to really work hard uh, this fall is, is a player like Oscar Steen. You know, it, just the way his contract structured, he has to make the team or we lose him for nothing. I would absolutely hate to see him on the waiver wire because he won't last long. Honestly, teams will be foaming at the mouth, circling like uh, a vulture up above to, to grab a guy like that. Um, and like I said before, the contract structure between Sidneka and Steen was just a little weird. They could have done both of them that 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 particular way. But, um, you know, maybe Steen plays a bigger role with the injuries that, you know, are, are to Marshan and, and, the, and the upshift of everybody else that's a little better in talent, but you still have to facilitate the, uh, you know, the bottom six, uh, third and fourth line roles as well. So uh, it's going to be not, it's going to be cool to see Jim Montgomery, the first year Boston Bruins coach, just kind of work his lines to where they are. And and basically he's, I read a fantastic article from um, Scott, Steve Conroy from the uh, Boston Herald, and he interviewed uh, Jim Montgomery and so on. And basically kind of let the cat out of the bag when you're talking about his lineup and so on, but it's encouraging to see, him talk so highly of, of mm-hmm. players like Jake DeBrusque. And also somebody that takes a hammer in Boston lately is Trent Frederick. You know, they, 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 he seems to think that he's got a little bit more to give to this Boston Bruins organization than what you've seen in the past. And and so many people have really harped on him. You know, pe- players make mistakes. It happens. But some play, some people just really like to, uh, to really uh, get after it when they see uh, those mistakes happen. And I kind of think that's a little unfair. Give the kid a little more time, a little more trust, and I think you're going to get the best out of him. And I think that Jim Montgomery might be that type of player to get that extra 20% uh, out of uh, Trent Frederick that everybody wants to see. 
Yeah, I think the the contract is an interesting thing. I think maybe that gives us a little bit of an indication where their head's at. Maybe it's for Oscar Steen, it's sort of a show us what you got. Either you're with us or it's time to move on. And they're, they've made their peace with that. Whereas Tetnika, maybe they're just hoping for something a little bit longer. So they're willing to move them up and down a little bit more. Um, I think the thing with Trent Frederick is I think we got to, as a fan base, just temper the expectations a little bit. I mean, it's like every single time he does something good, he's everyone's favorite player. And then as soon as he makes one mistake, it's like, oh, why is this guy in the lineup? Yeah. It, he's there to be a body. He's there to throw his body around, bring some of that energy that we're always asking for to the Bruins. And he gets on some streaks where he can chip in a little bit of offense as well. He's a young guy. A lot of the mistakes he makes are – emotionally charged moments taking some bad penalties after the whistle maybe you have to you have to trust that that's gonna get out of his game as he ages and as he matures so i think just being patient with trent frederick not expecting the world of him don't and and we're not we shouldn't expect him to be the next milan lucic i feel like a lot of people for some reason feel like that's what he's gonna be i mean he's big he can fight he can throw his body around but he's not skating around like he's the Hulk like Lucci's used to. So I think we just need to rein it in with Frederick just as a fan base as a whole. Yeah. Covering the Providence Bruins as much as I do, I saw a different player in Trent Frederick. Now it might it might not have transitioned very well from him from the AHL to the NHL, but I thought I saw a lot better things offensively. I mean his offensive attributes were really good in, in Providence. And that's why I was one of the leading hyper ups of, of this guy. I'm like, let's get him in the lineup. You know, he could, he could be that third line player. He could possibly even creep into the second line. Yeah. I was wrong. Absolutely wrong about that. But I just still think, I still believe in the player that he can just contribute all around and not just be that guy that's going to, you know, mash your face into the boards and so on and chirp you like he does so well, you know, uh, I, I want to see more of Trent, and hopefully um, it happens. And I, under, but I also understand a guy like Shooter McGavin. He's saying, you know, that the guy has uh, stone hands. How good can that get? So I don't know. Still has time. He's still yeah. super young. Absolutely. You know, like I think it's something where maybe for now he's more of a guy to just be out there and and maybe play physical, get the other teams' top players off their game a little bit. But I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of years he's he's scoring some more goals and putting up some more points for sure. Absolutely, uh, Mark. Uh, how much more time do you have with us? You want to you want to bounce now or? Yeah, if I bounce out now, um, probably a good time to to step out before you get into anything else. All right, Mark. Thank you so much for the time, uh, Mark Whitfield. He writes for the BlackAndGoldHockey.com uh, crew uh, on the uh, sports media company, and we really appreciate having him here. And uh, and representing uh, B and G over in the UK is uh, is huge, man. I uh, wish we can have uh, uh, representatives everywhere in the in the world, as just like the UK. But um, no, thank you very much for your time today. Really insightful, and uh, love doing these live streams. If you're ever uh, on board, please let me know. Yeah, Grant. I'll uh, hope to see you all again in the future. Take care. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Take care, man. Cheers. All right, that was a good guy, Mark Whitfield. Um, 
and and gracious enough to spend some time with us because it's like five hours ahead of us so it's like you know eight eight o'clock over there but um no that's awesome and hopefully he has a good date night with the with his uh his lady friend or all right, so where we go here? Do you have anything you want to talk about before we take our um, our mid show break? Um, no, I think we can we can take a little mid show break. Yeah. All right. Why don't we hear from uh, the uh, great folks at BetOnline.ag? They are our title sponsor, and they do have a tremendous website for those gambling folk out there. And um, listen to this upcoming commercial, and um, obviously bet responsible. But uh, please use that promo code CLNS50. If you do, sign up for a free account, and uh, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus after your, your first deposit. So hear me talk about the amazing betonline.ag, and uh, we'll be back. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline.ag continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to the BetOnline.ag website today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, it's where the game starts. All right, we are back. You just heard me babble about the amazing folks at betonline.ag. Um, I think we got somebody else that could uh, possibly uh, get into the stream. So um, let me let me figure out. Let me work my magic on uh, on getting a link to our friend and colleague, Mister Mike Sullivan. So. I will be right back. I'm just going to send this to Mr. Mike. Hopefully he's uh, he's around. And uh, get him on because he's a crazy bastard that loves nostalgia. I'm going to call him Captain NOS. Like, I'm going to get a hat that says NOS. And it's just he's just going to be Team Nostalgia. What do you think about that, Mike? I'll have to I'll have to get him. All right, link is sent, Mike. Let's let's hear it. I'm ready for these god awful takes. No, I'm kidding. I love Mike. He's a, he's the man. But link has been sent, Mike. Check it out. Jump in with us. Nathan's a good guy. He won't bite hard. I promise. <laughs> but anyway, uh, while we wait for Mike, uh, let's check out some of the uh, some of the uh, questions up here. Uh, I see Steen as a perfect Lazar replacement. I agree with that. I can't, you know, still a work in progress. But, yeah, I mean, Lazar basically priced himself out of here. And and that's traditional for the Boston Bruins that have done that to, like, um, uh, Nolachari and and um, who's the other one I keep forgetting about? Corrali, I think, was one. Sean Corrali is another yeah. one that they, they, they just don't pay for those people. Um, Schaller? Is it Tim Schaller? Yep, he was here. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so he went to it, Vancouver, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they really don't pay the bill, the millions and millions of dollars for those types of guys. They they really want to put that money 
towards their their higher talent and so on. Um, but no, I, I could definitely see Steen being a, um, a good Lazar for the future. Maybe not so much this year, but maybe be that guy the year after if he happens to stick around. Yeah, Steen's an interesting one because he's again he's one of those guys that he'll he'll come up for an injury or something and he doesn't necessarily blow you out of the water but he also i i feel like he's never someone that comes up in the the side of twitter that's like oh this guy blew the game for us so maybe he does come up and he he fills in on the fourth line even and just takes up a spot gets 10 12 minutes of ice time a game and just give some of the top guys a rest without you know doing anything too catastrophic hopefully all right so <laughs> excuse me um shooter mcgavin coming in hot with the allmark thing i know allmark has a no trade clause but i'd like to move him to vegas for more depth i think i know who shooter mcgavin is now i think it's one of the something brewing freaking podcast crew <laughs> um I don't know the, the whole all Mark Swayman thing. I, I like the whole one a one B type scenario. Um, you know, I, I think the goaltending is not the problem. It wasn't the problem last year. I think it was everything in front of the uh, Boston Bruins organization. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I like Jeremy Swayman. I'm a huge Sway fan, but I'm, I am not ready to give him the uh, the complete reins of of a sixty game season or anything like that. Him being, I just think that forty one forty one is the right thing to do um, because both of them are good friends with each other, um, and they they push each other. It's it's not a huge competition, but I mean, ultimately, you still have to prove that you are a number one when it comes to playoffs. So whoever you know, the coach or goalie Bob decides like, Hey, we need to start with this guy. Then, then you go forward with it. Um, but I, I, I really, I'm not on board with everybody and the shiny new toy theory of giving this guy, let's get swim in 70 games. We're going for the cup. I, I just don't think that, I think it's a little too soon for everybody to jump on him um, being the, uh, the savior of this team quite yet. I think that, I think a tandem of Allmark and Swayman this next season is going to be huge for this Boston Bruins team. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, Allmark's a, he's a great goalie. Um, I, I just don't think Swayman is ready to have the number one goalie solo responsibility yet. I think even in the playoffs, you saw. I mean, he did a good job in the playoffs, but I think we did see a little bit of that, you know playing a bunch of games in consecutive days with, with short rest. Maybe he's not quite a hundred percent ready for that. I think it's, I think it's nice to have them, you know, if one of them gets hot, you can play them a few games, but especially when you have back to backs, it's nice to have another guy who you're confident. in. I mean, to some, Tuka Rask is the best goalie the Bruins have ever had, and in, in their whole history and even he wasn't taking you know the the whole brunt of a season by the end of his career it was a much more even split I, I just don't think we see that anymore it's not 
you know, it's not the days where Marty Brodeur is going to go out there and play 75 games and win 63 of them or, or whatever he did. But um, I think I think right now is until you get to the playoffs or unless you have a guy like Andre Vasilevsky, you're you're looking at a, a 1A, 1B type of thing where you want guys in the net that are that you got two guys that the team is equally as confident. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't know who comes in after. Like, let's say you move Allmark. Who comes in as the number two? Is there a guy in Providence that we're as confident in to get Keith, wins? I mean, Kincaid. I mean, That's we're still trying guy. to get wins, right? We're still trying to be a playoff team. So if there's yep. a if there's not a guy that maybe is is quite ready, I think a lot of the guys down in Providence are down in Providence for a reason. Still, they they still need a little bit more time to be a a consistent NHL goalie. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Kaiser signed a one-year deal. He'll, he'll be playing this year. Um, and the veteran down in Providence is going to be Keith Kincaid. He signed a, as a free agent over the over the summer. So that's pretty much a tandem. I mean, Brandon Boosie is going to play a huge role in there as well. So you have three goaltenders, AHL goaltenders, that Providence is going to roll with. But I really don't see them, all three of them, um, just because of the way that the schedule is constructed down in the American Hockey League. I don't think a three-headed goaltender is the right idea because if you play games on Monday, I'm sorry, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you're, you're getting one of your players should get two of those games during a weekend. Mostly your your prospect, the guy who needs the most work, and so on. I don't see a three-headed monster working. Now, if Kaiser doesn't secure a spot, he could go to Maine. He could be going in the coast and play up in Maine. And Boosie, the same thing. I don't think Keith Kincaid's going anywhere. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the ultimate thing is when the Providence Bruins have their training camp, that's one of the areas they're going to be heavily relied on is to evaluate appropriately. But you're going to have to send the guy down. So, And Mike Sullivan, Captain Nostalgia, is in the house. And he is from the Something Bruin Hockey Podcast on the Black and Gold Sports Media Company's podcast network. Here he is, this this goddamn beauty. <laughs> What's going on, guys? How are you? What's up, man? I I I had to get you in here for these goddamn icy cold takes. <laughs> hey, I will say, I'm I'm not on you know the part of the uh, the fan base that wants Lucic back here as like a pure. I love it. He just jumps right in defending yeah. himself. <laughs> I mean, hey, well, I, I hey, if you're gonna get me that Captain Nostalgia hat, I'll wear that proudly. I'll wear that every day, every stream. I'll wear it. But um, I will say, like realistically, Lucic coming back to Boston is not a good idea for anybody. But it's mainly the fan in me that just wants to see seventeen back in black and gold. Well, shoot! I mean, uh, Mike, you already got a fan. Shooting McGavin yeah. says, "I'm already gonna like this guy." <laughs> yeah. hey, hey, by the way, too, he. Who, I don't know who that is. He's not. He's not Zach, and he's not Nick. So, <laughs> <laughs> I thought for sure. I'm like, oh, I think I know these guys. <laughs> but welcome to the uh, live stream, the black and the uh, Black and Go Hockey Podcast, episode 294. Uh, Mike is a returning guest, a fantastic writer. And uh, he was uh, he was grinding it out for us up at the uh, the press box, um, um, working with uh, BNG uh, during development camp, and and got some tremendous interviews. Uh, if you want to see some of those interviews that Mike got, he captured some video uh, right here on the uh, official Black and Gold Hockey Podcast YouTube channel. Please subscribe and and check those out because he did a fantastic job. 
Yeah, thanks. It was so much fun, too. All right, so where are we going from here, boys? It's kind of an agenda-free, relaxed, you know, have a seltzer, have a beer, have a, some water, whatever you guys drink. And also, please keep up on the questions in the chat. We'd love to hear some more. Even Shooter, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, too, uh, on that Olmark question, when we were talking about it on the uh, Something's Brewing podcast, it kind of came up more as like a hypothetical but it turned into a, you know, a much deeper conversation than that. Um, I know Zach was on board with, with moving him. I was more iffy. Like you, you, I mean, you can't, like, it's a hypothetical. You can't, he doesn't want to go anywhere. So he's not going anywhere. Bottom line. So yeah. 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 yeah I just, yeah. Uh, it's, it's hard. I know it happens a lot. I know me and Nick went back and forth on it. I, I mean, it does happen, but you know, it, it, for me, it doesn't happen that often. Like it's it, everybody's waving their trade, their no trade clauses to go anywhere that they possibly don't want to go. Right. Um, so yeah, it is a hypothetical, but it was still a lot of fun going doing the back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. All right. Um, let's let's move on to another topic. Um, Nathan, you got anything that you want you want to touch on? Um, looking through the chat here. Shooter McGavin said, how about if you package Sadnika Whitsmith to Arizona? I feel like I just wanted to call that one out as, like, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because let's say you move Smith. Sadnika's the guy you want to replace him with. So you move both of them, then who goes in? So I just wanted to call call that one out a little bit. And, uh, yeah, doesn't make I'm kind of like, I'm wondering, too, like, if he – if that trade were to go through, I don't know who we would get from Arizona who could maybe a prospect or somebody, you know, because you don't want to take you don't want to lose cap to just gain more cap. Exactly. Right. I think that's one thing that a lot of Bruins fans forget is like, hey, well, yeah, you are losing a decent player, even though he's he's been known to struggle. But you also just got as a business, you got to You got to get under that cap. I mean. Yeah, clean out the trash and then worry about that. <laughs> you know, absolutely. It's, it, it, Shooter's absolutely right. But, you know, I, I a lot of people are like, don't trade Smith if you're not going to get something back. And uh, it, I mean, if you get a prospect, it, I, me, a draft pick right now would be great because, you, you, you know, you're not taking anything back that's going to be capable this year or next year or even the year after that. But you create that roster spot and also you get under your man, you, you know, you're uh, ready to go by the season start. So, yeah, I mean, the the only thing that I can see, like a draft pick, would be nice. Um, we did just see the prospect rankings and the and the the pools come out, and we're, you know, the Bruins are dead last. Um, so they, if you if you do trade Smith, you probably don't want to lose the Nike either. But you're you're gonna want to get in return something that can help build that pool to maybe 31 and not 32 yeah. something something a little bit better anything anything to help build for the future well and and, and just to touch on that i don't like those rankings at all mm-hmm. now yeah you look at that and say yeah there's some validity to it but their 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 scenario is built on like recent track records with drafting and i understand that bruins haven't done very well lately but to be in a to be against the cap every year and play competitive, these are the type of things that you need to do. Look at Tampa Bay. Their ranking was 31. Yeah. And they're a two-time Stanley Cup champion most recently. So 
they're not drafting bad. They're just doing it a little bit better than the Bruins. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, I don't think those rankings see the overall picture of what the prospects are and what they're doing at a particular time. Like the the main prospects that, that I think were Lysel and um and um the defenseman I can't remember his name. Uh, Lorai. Lorai. Mason yeah. Lorai. But, and then, but you weren't talking about a player like Georgie Mikulov and his potential. You weren't talking about other players that are involved in the organization that are not going to wow a ton of Bruins fans. But still, you have to give them credit for them playing well, them grinding it out, and being a part of the organization. And whether that's the thirty-second rank or or twelfth, I, I I just find it weird that. After those two top prospects, it was basically that was it. That's that's all you're talking about. Yeah, that's, that's why they got a point. shitty rank. Yeah, because yeah, I didn't think of that. They don't really, you know, account for players like Beecher, like you said, Merkulov, um, guys like that. And those will probably end up being like depth guys if they pan out to their full potential. Um, I am really excited about Lysalo. Watching the World Juniors this year, he he really played. He was a standout player. It was crazy. All right, so just looking, just looking at the uh, at some of the um, the Providence Bruins. Um, so you got goalies, uh, Boosie, Kaiser, and Kincaid. I kind of see um, Victor Berglund took a big step last year, and that was his first year of uh, of, of hockey over in North America. I thought he did really good. Uh, Mike Callahan was good. We're going to see Connor Carrick take a big role uh, with Providence and probably be a big, big part of that um, that uh, defense, and particularly the power play. Uh, Josiah Didier is coming back. Uh, Grant Gabriel. I don't know who this Georgioff guy, or the, but Wilson and Wolf. But the forwards for me are, are what I really wanted to gravitate this to. It's like Samuel Asseline's coming back, Johnny Beecher, Justin Breslow, who played very well with the Maine Mariners and earned his way up to the uh, to the American Hockey League with the Providence Bruins. He's a big kid, um, and he just wrecks people. Matt Philippe's coming back. Jordan uh, J.D. Greenway, I don't know if he's going to make it to Providence because he just got a, um, a PTO uh, with the Boston Bruins, which was kind of weird that he was under contract with the NHL, but it, the uh, Bruins are giving him a, a PTO. Um, Yuna Kampanen, uh, Vinny Letary, Lysel, McLaughlin. You know, we're not yeah. talking about we're not talking about players like that, Mikulov and 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 so on. And I'm really excited about Toroporowski, uh, Luke from the uh, from he's from the uh, I think it's uh, Spokane Chiefs. So this is I, I actually... mean they're not they're not exciting names. They're not blowing up freaking EliteProspects.com or any freaking prospect uh, website out there. I get it, but. I don't. I don't think that the rankings were were skewed correctly. I think that maybe a, a twenty five rank would certainly be, be acceptable in in my opinion. But you know who knows? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Mark McLaughlin, and um, I like. I kind. I want to see him with the you know with Boston a lot this year. I love his game, the way he plays. I think he's a perfect bottom six guy, and he's still young. And you saw flashes of you know his game late last year, and there were rarely any moments where I was looking at him as a liability on the ice. He was, he was always, he seemed to always either be in the right place or just always doing the right thing. And he seems to, he's always energized. He's just always ready to go. And I love that. I think he's going to, 
I mean, hopefully this year, I don't know, but hopefully he spends a lot of team time on the fourth and maybe even the third line this year. And he's a he's a Massachusetts guy too, so yes, <laughs> it'll satisfy that part of the fan base that only wants to see Massachusetts guys. Yeah, yeah. Or the other part that just says Don Sweeney only freaking drafts within um, the four ninety five belt. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, right off uh, the pike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I'm um, I'm looking forward to this this upcoming year. It's it's going to be a trying season. There's going to be a lot of challenges for everybody. We're all we're all going to be getting used to a new coach and 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 you know obviously a defensive coach too with John Gruden, um, and I I think John Gruden's probably that guy that you know he's a little bit a, a little better voice than than um, what we had with uh, Doug Hooter in the past and then obviously with Kevin Dean moving on to Chicago I think that Gruden's going to play a significant role in this defense and. We talked about it several times with Dominic Tiano and Kevin O'Keefe on the Black and Hockey podcast, our weekly program, um, that, you know, you need to be not so much of a system, but more of and not a man to man, but pretty much like keep it in the zone coverage, because it seems like that's what um, Jim Montgomery wants to roll with, because it's been it's been like that for a decade. So it's pretty much what everybody knows right now. Um, but some of those systems can also play into like really bad uh, turnovers and giveaways. And, um, and where I like to see a little bit more man to man. Um, I know Carlo gets beat a lot with that. And it's tough to see sometimes with it, with him being so big and, and blah, blah, blah. But um, I don't know. I, I just think that it's going to be an inspirational season. You're going to be, you know, inspired to do different things with different voices and so on. And I, I think that's, what's going to get, this team up and and possibly be a surprise. Like Mike, I know you're on top of this whole thing too. It's you seem to think that this team is going to be better than what it says on paper. Um, even though we're not going to have uh, some, our, our franchise defenseman and um, you know, obviously our franchise left winger to start the year. So, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it and I know people are kind of, or some people, not all people, but some people are really apprehensive about, the beginning of the year saying you know the atlantic division got way better um we we're missing mcavoy marshawn Grizzlick for a good chunk of the first month and a half but i mean the guys the youth of the team they're this is going to really be their chance to step up so they're going to be playing with motivation they're going to be playing with you know courage and confidence and um that's only going to lead to bigger and better things in my opinion and I think because a lot of people are sounding, you know, the alarm on the beginning of the year saying, you know, we're screwed. We're not going to we're not going to be able to tread water. We're going to we're going to sink fast. And I, I really I don't I can see it happening, but I don't believe it will happen. I think um, we'll be over 500 by the time Marshawn and McAvoy come back. Um, I think we're going to be in a good position at that time for for um, us to, you know, really push for a. Uh, not only a wild card spot, but maybe a top three spot. I don't see us getting one or two, but I could see us sneaking into three. Um, definitely holding a wild card position, um, and that's on the on the backs of guys who have already kind of solidified a spot on the team too. Like Olmark and Swayman, you got two guys who you're confident with in net. You have people seem to forget how good Hampus Lindholm really is, and like uh, like Nathan said earlier in the stream, like I'm really excited to see him get a full season in Boston. 
Um, you got Pasta, you got Krejci, you got Bergeron. Uh, Jake DeBrusque, I think, is going to take a huge step this year. Um, guys like Carlo, you know, I th- I think we still have key pieces to this team that people just kind of seem to sweep under the rug and forget about just because they're not star-studded names. But they're still good players who are more than capable of holding their own, um, you know, for the first month and a half or two, maybe even play a little bit above what they're used to. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, that was it. That was oh, it. All right. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's going to be challenging. And uh, actually, I, I want to touch on what Shooter says here because, um, Nathan, you're a Jersey guy and you often <laughs> yeah. write about uh, jerseys on the blackgoldhockey.com website. Uh, so I definitely want to get your thoughts on this whole on Finasco. And I'm just going to come out here and, and just let you guys all know I'm not a fan of the Pooh Bear. I am not a fan of the Pooh Bear. Um, really? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, I don't even like the meth bear. Uh, meth bear on the uh, shoulder patches, cool, very cool. Never in the middle. Never put that as the crest. But uh, he's absolutely right when he says, uh, when Shooter says this. There is a leak that the Pooh Bear jerseys are coming soon. Maybe we can be as soft as those 90s Bruins teams in the good old honey eating Winnie on the chest. <laughs> Shooter always comes in hot and heavy with that stuff, man. Uh, yeah, I, I am not a fan of that jersey. Um, every time I see that jersey, it reminds me of Slapshot the movie. Um, have you guys seen that? You guys, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So when that when the bus driver is outside beating the shit out of the uh, the bus with a with a with a sledgehammer, that's what I think of when I. It, it's got to look meaner. It just looks like somebody that you just want to cuddle with. You know, you want to go. You want to go to the beer stand and grab a beer with the poo and just you know hug them and so on. It just doesn't say hockey to me or Boston Bruins hockey for that matter. And I might be old and and so on and trying to get back to the old, you know, uh, the the big bad Bruins days. But I'm all set with it. I don't want to see it on my hockey team. It is a good point that it does look kind of, you know, um, it looks not intimidating at all. Like It just looks like cuddly and sweet. I can agree with that. But if they can, I mean, they're not going to tweak it, but if they could tweak it a little bit and make it look angrier and kind of more, you know, intimidating, I could roll with it. But you're you're right on the point that it it just looks sweet. It doesn't look like a, a hockey logo at all. <laughs> Do you guys know the backstory of that? No. No. So Harry Sinden, I believe he was playing golf at the time, was playing at a certain golf course, and that was like their the company's sign. And 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 he ended up using it, or I think the Bruins ended up buying it, buying the rights to it. So yeah, go figure. It came from a golf course. Yeah. No so way. yeah, it's looking like it's gonna be a a white Pooh Bear jersey for the reverse retro. Which oh, it's gonna be uh, white. Yeah, it's gonna be. It, I, that's the that's the rumor is it's gonna be a white Pooh Bear. <laughs> I don't know if the the little jagged things are gonna be yellow or black. <laughs> I, I could see him doing either one, honestly, but I definitely get where people are coming from with, you know, not wanting on the jersey ever. But I think for something like this, where they're probably not wearing this thing more than five, six times, especially because it's, it's what, I mean, the last one they could wear it at home because it, it was a color jersey. So they could use it as a little bit more of an alternate. The, I feel like for some reason, just a white jersey takes a little bit more 
planning on when they're going to wear it because if they want to wear it at home, they got to talk to the other team and tell them they're wearing a white. And I don't see them using it too often. So I think for what it is, it'll be kind of a fun little jersey. Um, and in the reverse retro, the whole idea of the reverse retro, right, is to take like an iconic jersey. I mean, we saw the the Ducks do it with that weird like, oh god, that's flying terrible. Yeah. Oh, that, that is, is the worst. Yeah, <laughs> like, that is the worst. If it's gonna happen, I'm glad that it's this way. We're not gonna see it for more than a year, probably. Um, so it'll be here for a few games. By the time playoff comes around, we'll probably forget that it ever even happened. Um, I hope but... so because you don't you don't want a jersey like this uh, showing up uh, during playoffs, like Shooter McGavin says yeah. right here. It was also well, a happens... pathetic era of hockey for the team, so no need to be reminded of it. <laughs> true. What, what I mean, happens true. if they wear this jersey for, let's say, five, six games, and they play really well? Do yeah. we Are we okay with them wearing it hey, a little listen. bit more? Until, like, I mean, let's say they go 5-0. and oh, Some people don't say, change their jocks after a really yeah. good freaking streak, so like maybe anything they, could happen. Maybe they wear it until they lose. I would, if, they, if they were wearing it and they got on a real hot streak in it, Took it into the playoffs and went sixteen and zero. I don't think anyone would complain about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, true. it's it's kind of like the Red Sox and their City Connect jerseys, exactly. like the Boston Marathon ones. Like they win all the time in them, so why not keep wearing them? If, yeah, if that exactly. is the case, I wouldn't mind seeing them every now and not then. Not their best jersey, but if it means a win, yeah, go to like them. I could deal with it. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Andrew Taverna's in the house. He already called me old, so thank you, Andrew. <laughs> Always a pleasure to see you. And your support is is just amazing. I uh, speaking of hot takes. There's, there's a guy that's got hot takes. Jeez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, actually, actually, we all hung out together at the rail stop after we were covering um, development camp. So we had a, a really, really good time. And thank you, Andrew. I won't go into any further details on that. But <laughs> thank you very much for a wonderful afternoon and starting my night off in Boston. Which ended up a, a um, an Uber ride home, which I could have definitely walked. <laughs> uh, too much. <laughs> but anyway, um, what's up? No, I was going to say, because you said he has hot takes. Um, didn't he post something on Twitter the other day? That was just, it was so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he loves, um, I wish I could put the gif up right now. Of uh, the Muppet like raising his hand with fire in the back. Yeah, <laughs> that is- every time that's that. Yeah. Oh, Andrew's like, which one? Which hot take did I which drop? One? <laughs> Sometimes you gotta get people talking. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, speaking of people talking, um, let's keep this uh, Bruins hockey talk going. We got about another forty minutes to go. Um, uh, I don't know what your plans are, Nathan, but if you have to bounce out, you're welcome to. But if you can hang around for the rest, I'd, I'd appreciate that as well. Yeah, I'm around. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And Mike, of course, uh, Captain Nostalgia, you can always <laughs> hang around. Good man. And it is windy in, in, in Amesbury today, So, but it's a beautiful, beautiful day. I love this weather. Give me this all summer long. I'll oh, yeah. move the whole studio outside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But uh, I don't know where we go from this. Let's let's hear from uh, pe- folks in the chat. Yeah, you know, what should we talk about? Uh, I know that there's a lot of opinions out there, and obviously Nathan, if you want to chime in, and Mike, if you want to bring in a, a topic, let's go. I feel like I've seen a couple people asking about pasta and, and that whole situation. Mm. 
It's a let's, let's hit it. It's a it's a tough one. I mean, obviously, everyone loves pasta. What what is there not to love? The guy scores goals. <laughs> it's, exactly. it's just plain and simple. He puts the puck in the net, and a lot of times he does it with some style. He's a good locker room guy. He's funny. He's fun. I mean, he's a fan favorite. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I feel like it's they've they've successfully kind of kept it under the rug a little bit um as much as some of the media members try to get him to talk is he i hope he's going to be back but is he gonna somehow be a guy that prices himself out at the top of the ladder as opposed i mean we were talking about the guys earlier that you know end up moving on because we don't want to pay him two million to play on the fourth line i really hope we don't see pasta go somewhere else because the management's not willing to pay him to play on. I mean, he's the franchise. He is him and McAvoy. They're the guys going forward. So you, you got to keep him around it. I think. Yeah, I would be, I, we were talking about this the other day, but I, I don't even know what his contract would really look like. I would be hard pressed to go anything over 10 and a half mil. Honestly, if it's over that, I think just, I hate to say it, but if it's over ten and a half, I think you kind of have to move him because you can't let him walk in free agency. Yeah, just ten and a half in the salary cap era. You you need money to build your team. It's it's really hard to pay one guy so much money and then build a successful team under that. Ooh. I hope Andrew's right. I yeah. hope he's right. Andrew's saying possible sign by December. I'll bet on it. It's a really is that, hard. Is that one. a hot take? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just really hard because if I I don't entirely disagree, right? I don't I don't want to become the leaps and see pasta right. making twelve like eleven twelve million dollars a year because you know team's already in a position where we're over the cap. Yeah. Right now, like we we need to move guys to get under the cap, and you don't. That's a that's a weird position to be. I, don't, I can't remember the last time it felt this desperate to move guys, but yeah, um, it's just a tough one because if you do let him go or you do move him, then you've got to find a lot of points from somewhere. You gotta right. you gotta really reinvest in some guys, and I don't know, maybe you go into a little bit of a money ball approach and you buy three guys that will get you 30 points each instead of having pasta who will hopefully get you 90 but jesus could you imagine if we had a billy bean situation in boston i mean so <laughs> sweeney would be even it worse feels like that right sometimes it feels like that a little bit it when, does, when, when they're refusing yeah when they're refusing to pay guys it's just like yeah. what, what kind but, of organization are we but here's a situation nathan is like when you're when you're the boston bruins and you're and you're spending up to the cap all the time it's it's tough Sometimes you need to go to these players that need new contracts and say, if you want to do it here, you have to work within the constraints of what we're doing and currently have. And, you know, and I do, I do get the, the pushback from fan, the fan base and so on when they're saying you got to pay him, you got to pay him, you got to pay him. Um, But I'm also on the back going, yeah, we got to pay a very talented person, but we also need to have, a little bit of cap flexibility to make additions on top of his return right. for, the, for the future. Um, so I'm not worried about it. 
I, I think it's going to get done. I, I, I know a lot of fans think that, you know, it's everything needs to be done yesterday. And and then they'll, they'll start to, you know, reach into the holster and fire from the hip that, well, we lost him. He's gone. Oh, my God. Um, and just absolutely freak out. I still think there's a lot of time to get things done, much like how his previous contract happened when him and McAvoy held out until the day before camp. I was there covering that. And, you know, and, and all of a sudden the news came out, boom, he's back. You know, it. I think it's going to be that type of situation. I'm really not worried about um, him. I would like to see him come in at, I, I said 8 million. And I, I know people were on me about that. You, you cannot, you cannot disrespect him for and give him $8 million. It's like, whatever the guys, <laughs> the guy is going to accept whatever he wants, but yeah, you know, I like to see him at eight for eight, whatever, maybe even as high as nine, five. I don't know about 11, 12 and 13 and in and, and these ridiculous, um, no. you know, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the uh, McDavid and, and Matthews yeah. numbers and so on. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I think it's going to get done. And I think it, it's, it's going to be good. I just don't see a player like this begging a player like David Krejci to come back. And then not want to be here for the following year, where I believe that's when the team is really going to push for a, a you know a long playoff run. Not saying cup yet, but they'll be more involved than a one and done team like they were last season. It's a, uh, I think the the big if you look at it from a big picture, the problem is almost what everyone else is doing because. Other teams are signing guys to these ridiculous contracts, and then you look at it and you think, well, we can't pay pasta less than that. But, I mean, if you look at the best teams in the league, like, I mean, the Penguins signed prime Sidney Crosby. When Sidney Crosby was undoubtedly the best player in the world, they got him for less than $9 million. And if you're, if you, sometimes if you want to be on a good team, if he wants to win here, he might have to take something like that. You might have to take a little bit less than, you know, what Austin Matthews is getting or whatever, because it helps the team. And obviously it, this is coming from where I'm sitting as someone who just recently graduated college, but we're still talking about $8 million every mm-hmm. single year. Like, it's not like we're, we're out here saying, let's pay him a million dollars. And even that is a, a life changing amount of money for pretty much 90% of the people. But, you know, it's, once we get up to these crazy numbers, it's just, I, I mean, it's, it's tough to rationalize it if you want to be a, a good team. And, and I, I see Andrew saying like, pay him on the back end. And yeah, maybe you do that. Maybe you just give I'll him take Andrew. 12, $13 million in year seven or eight of the contract. If you're a bad team or something, but Andrew also said this too, by the way, yeah, if think... he wasn't at a family party, he'd hop in and fix this. But Pasa needs to, needs the back end of his contract ramped up. It'd be fine. I mean, uh, as long as he keeps getting these endorsement deals from Duncan's, I think he's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. yeah. It's just, uh, it's a tough one. Like when everyone else is getting paid crazy amounts of money, it's easy to compare it, but I think it's a lot of, you know, teams that are trying to get big names to come play for them when there's not another reason to. I mean, there's. I'd like to think there's still something to be said for playing for one team your whole career. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I would hope that's that's something that's in his mind. And 
hopefully he can he can maybe take a little discount and not not just to be under the cap for the next two years, but to help the Bruins be competitive for years down the line. Yeah, and I see people saying too, like you, they don't think that they're going to pay Pasta more than McAvoy, and I kind of agree with that too. I think I think McAvoy is kind of the highest contract they're going to give out. I don't I don't see the Bruins organization paying a forward more than a defenseman, just from a historical standpoint. Um, I think yeah, so I think they're right on that. I think he's under McAvoy. It's just a matter of if Pasternak is willing to take that deal or not. And I, ultimately, that's up to him, not really the ownership. So, yeah. And to answer Shooter McGavin's question right here, I, I think I, I have something. Um, don't they have a lot of restrictions on the backloaded contracts now? I think they do. Like, if you sign for a certain amount per year or a certain percentage of the of a team's cap, you can't sign the eighth year. But if you go under that percentage, you can sign the eighth year. I think that's the way the CBA is constructed now, but I will hear from people on Twitter if I'm wrong. So hit me up. Black and gold 277. You know where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Andrew Tavern has got to go. I, I'm sure the kids are clawing at his ankles trying to get uh, something out of him. Um, but I've got to go, but I'll leave you with this. The Bruins needed a different center. Then DK 46, that's Derek, I mean, David Gracie. So 37 had someone to teach. Interesting, hot take, Andrew. Not shocked at all that that guy came in there hot like that. And and in this one. I yes, don't disagree you... with him. Nah, right, right, right. I don't at all. I, the bring Gracie back is kind of a weird one for me. I mean, like, like we've said, like from a nostalgia purpose, it's great, but is he the is he the guy like is he the guy to come back for the second i mean we've we've seen kind of like i think i wrote an article a couple weeks ago about is like the team's not that much different than the one that got bounced pretty early a few years ago so if you're trying to make improvements how does kind of trying to put together that team help i don't know I think I think bringing Krejci back is huge. I think it's huge <laughs> because the pasta Krejci connection is crazy, and we really only got to see like one year of that. So, granted, and it yeah, wasn't consistent. Right. It wasn't consistent either. Right, right. And um, granted, he did play overseas, so really that that's an actual factor that we do have to add into this is, you know, how much of playing. Level. Right, how much of playing over there hindered his game, and we'll—I mean—we'll see that in the next coming couple months. Um, but I mean, you got him for what a million dollars to to play one year? I, I take that every single day. I don't even waste a second on that. I sign that immediately. But I—I I don't know. I do understand. Um, <laughs> I, do, I do understand that, um, you know, you do kind of want a younger Senator to come in and learn under Bergeron a hundred percent. You want that. But at the same time, if you're still trying to compete in the, you know, in the playoffs and maybe for a cup, you want a guy with experience and you want a guy who's been there before. And, you know, your window is I know, Mark, you think Bergeron and Krejci are going to come back next year. But if they don't, this 
honestly could be your last year in that window for the next couple of years. So yep. if you're going to go for it, go for it. While, while I agree on, on your whole theory, I will say that bringing Krejci back was the best option for the Boston Bruins in a free agent market. Number yes. one, number one. Yes. He has experience with the team. He knows everybody. He knows the system and so on. He can adjust to it. Well, second thing is, is you're not getting a center like that on the free, on this particular free agent market that we just had. For I don't that think money. That exactly. Because he, Look, we're, we're two point something million dollars over the cap right now. Right. So if you bring somebody else in, it's going to be even more than that, that you're going to have to get out if you want to get that young player involved. So, I mean, there's there's two sides to the coin here when you're considering the good and the bad of David Krejci. But you also have to consider the business aspect of that decision. I mean, you weren't going to get Nazo Kadri. No, zero percent chance, and he was probably the best free agent center out there. But look, it, it, even if you had the opportunity to bring in Nazem Kadri, who signed with uh, the Calgary Flames for seven seven, is that I think that so. the number? I believe so. Look at how many roster players we'd have to get rid of to be cap compliant. When we're right now, I'm gravitating to Craig Smith. That's yeah. the guy that I think the team needs to move on from, be, just because of the the cap number, and he doesn't have the the trade protection under him this, this uh, in his last season of his deal. Yeah. So and that Nick Felino contract really hurts too. And I know you can't move him, but I know it's so <laughs> tough. I mean, I mean, they put themselves into a Bacchus situation, you know, that might even be worse than Bacchus. I just don't want to see, I mean, there's one more year of, of Felino and I, I totally understand that. And unfortunately I kind of have to deal with the reality. We're going to have to eat it. Because I don't think that it's smart to give an asset like a trade, like, I'm sorry, a draft asset, like even a third round pick to sweeten a deal just to somebody else to keep him. Uh, Draft picks for me right now, few and far between. We need to replenish this prospect pool. We need to get Corey Proming to get better rankings out of his athletic articles. And I don't (laughs) think by giving draft picks, particularly first rounders. like Right. No, 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 no. Hampus Lindholm. That's what you have to do for a business deal to get in a decent defenseman into the Boston Bruins organization. You have to give up those things. Do not give up assets anymore just to, you know, sweeten a deal to, uh, you know, to get rid of somebody. I don't know. Yeah. Kind of all over the place today. Yeah. No, you, you, I mean, you can't get rid of any more first round picks. I, I would gladly not, maybe not gladly. I, it's acceptable to lose that first round pick for a player like Hampus Lindholm because he's an immediate impact player who's going to be in your top four defense that instantly makes your team better. So that one I was more okay with. But if you're trading first-round picks, those are guys Guys like Lindholm are going to have to be the return. You can't you can't lose picks like that to shed cap space or anything like that. Um, even a third, like you said, is tough to lose because you can still find quality players in the third round. Absolutely. Um, you know... Yeah, you, you you just can't be giving up assets like that anymore. You need to you need to stock those and really pile up those uh, picks and prospects, whatever you can do to, you know, set your set your team up better for the future. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting comments here about no trade clauses that I I do agree with. I mean, there are a lot of guys 
with with no trade, no move clauses on the Bruins, which does make it makes it really hard. I mean, and yeah, like I, I mean, I like Coyle as a player. I don't necessarily know that they need to to move him per se, but I think he has a he's a making a little too much for his role. And I think yeah, yeah, giving him a, a no trade clause when you're going to play him on the third line is a is a weird move. It's a weird one. And and I don't know that there needs to be a limit necessarily on what they have. I think we're just saying that because we're giving them out to everybody. Yeah. I mean, if, I think if you use them wisely, there's there's no right. need to to be a limit. It's not like it's not like this is a cat like a Tampa Bay with the cap situation where they're finding a loophole and hanging on to guys longer than they should be able to or something like that. This is something that's actually probably negatively affecting a team so i don't think you need to kind of handicap it so that you know oh the the gm can't make a mistake kind of thing yeah it's more it's more on uh i agree with that it's more on don sweeney and the ownership whoever's handing out the contracts maybe you know take a look ahead and see how many you've given out and be like hmm maybe we shouldn't you know maybe we should limit these a little bit yeah. yeah. When you're negotiating contracts, though, it, it, a lot of those no movements are coming from the agent and player. Yeah. You know, because because as a player, as a common worker, you want you want longevity in the area. You want to start a family here and so on. It's yeah. hard just to like be that type of person that's going to uproot and move to every every different place. Sometimes that means a lot as a player is, is you just want to be in the area for longer than a season. But I get it. I get it. It is they are they are such cap killers. Shooter McGavin was absolutely right when he said that. It really is. And um, but those are also the constraints that have to be mentioned when 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 looking at the future. When you're trying to bring in players or trying to retain their their services, is you know, hey, we can't give these out to just everybody. And and unfortunately, lately. The signings uh, with no movement deals for guys that are make of playing fourth line minutes or even that thirteenth or fourteenth forward in in most situations are getting them. That's kind of ridiculous, and I totally get where where that gets a little frustrating as a fan base. Yeah, because I think Charlie Coyle's making uh, off the top of my five. head. I think five five is it five or is it five and a half? That's it a could lot. be even five and a half. Yeah, 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 exactly. For a third liner, yeah. that is a lot. That's a lot of money. Now, I'm, now listen, I'm a huge fan of Charlie Coyle. I, I right. love his puck possession game. I like the what, what he does. He does make solid impacts in the game. Mm-hmm. But when in a team and an organization that's that's thirsty for continued secondary scoring, that's the type of player I want to see more involved in point production. We I saw him so many times streaking in Minnesota where I was just like, we really want to take a chance on this guy. Yeah, he's the Boston kid. Yeah, he's this and that. He went to Boston University and blah, blah, blah. But nothing screamed to me that we needed the guy until I really saw him in action. And and his puck possession skills are really good. Reminds me of a big-ass Yarmir Yager. Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But I just – and Just what without he, the mullet. Yeah, but what he can do <laughs> – what he can do so close to the crease, I want to see more of. Like, he can get a goaltender to back up so much and create so- something. is bar down all the time. Yeah, I love that game when he's in tight. I'm, I've been saying that for a while. Like, he's probably one of the best puck protectors in the league. He goes into the corner with the puck. 
he knows how to use his body because he's huge. He's actually a really big guy. Yeah. And he can he knows how to use his body to protect the puck and um, you know, hold off the defenders and wait for an open guy. It's just but there's there's so many guys in the league that do that all the time and then right. not make it five million dollars. <laughs> right. I mean, he's only making either a million and a half or two million less than Nazem Kadri, and he's our third line center. It's yeah. it's just deals like that are tough. Like four million dollars would have been good. He's I would say he's a four million dollar player. Definitely not five and a half. Definitely not five and a half. But I mean, have, but like you said a, too, I love his game. I love him. We have a situation where the first and second line centers contracts combined are less than the third line center. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I think that's a if you were to go up to anyone, it doesn't matter if how much experience they have in hockey and sports at all. If you were to go up to them and say, listen, so we have this role, right? And and there's three people and we're going to pay the first two guys less combined than our third choice. <laughs> Anyone would say that's, that's probably not a successful business model. <laughs> and here hey, we are. <laughs> Nathan, check out Jason Larati's um, uh, post. I'm going to put it right up here. So he says, everything I hear about Zach is the same I, I hearing about Coral when he got him when we got him from Minnesota. But there's then there's the factor is well he, a change of scenery could spark yeah. anybody's uh, imagination. Yeah, I mean think uh, about like think about where Zach is playing. I mean New Jersey is oh, terrible. I, I wouldn't want to play in New Jersey. Um, no, it you're coming funny to Boston, uh, and and I, the thing is. Coyle is not a bad player. I think uh, no, all three of us were, were fans of him. The problem is the contract. If you had yeah. if you had Coyle down there on the third line at two three million dollars, oh. I feel like the fan base would love him. Yeah, because yep. the expectation not not only just the fact that we have more cap room, but the expectations change given the money. So I don't think Char- hearing the name Charlie Coyle should not be a negative thing, right? If you're hearing the same things about Zach as you are about Coyle. That's a good thing if we were expecting Zaka to play on the third line. I think that's a very solid third line. If you're able to keep Zaka, Coyle, and Smith together, that, I think that's a very good third line in the NHL. That's that's a deep playoff run type of third line. Yep. It's just the fact that we're paying Charlie Coyle five plus million dollars is a tough thing to put your head on the pillow and think about at night. <laughs> hey, so what's the woman fuzzy with you guys on a on a trio second line? Um, to start the season some time, just some time. Like, as much as I want to see Charlie McAvoy match up with Jakob Zaboro sometime this soon, what would you guys think about the all-check line? I I would love it. Zaka, <laughs> Krejci, and Pasternak. I think it would go together so well. I mean, okay, Pasta's natural goal scorer. Krejci is a natural playmaker. And then Zaka's kind of that big body you know, who also has skill. And I mean, they're, uh, I'm kind of assuming that they're ke- the chemistry is going to be there. I know the chemistry between Krejci and Pasta is going to be there. It's a matter of fact, if Zaka fits into that role too, and I think he would fit like a glove. I think it would be perfect. I'm just going to jump in right here. Cause I'm always thinking about making a dollar, but if I was working for like, if I was working for like Dunkin' Donuts and their PR staff and so on, I would do like this check 
it out kind of thing uh, on, on, you know, hey, check this out, you know. I, I think they could do something. Maybe do a donut with the Czech flag on it, something ah, like that. Sprinkle colors, blue, red. Yeah. Exactly. A Czech yep. roasted, you know, some kind of Czech roasted coffee. They've got to have extra red, white, and blue sprinkles from like all the Fourth yeah. of July promotions or something. <laughs> yeah, that just, they didn't use. Just toss those out in October, September. Um, yeah. I think that I think that could be like a creative line. You know what I mean? It's, it's you know, I it'd mean, be fun to watch once in a while. But not, in, I don't know about all the time, especially with Marshan coming back mid-season. Yeah, because then what do you do with the brusque once Marshan comes? Well, no, I guess you could still. I think the bigger question is, first. what do you do with Hall? Hall, if, yeah. When yeah, Marshan yeah. comes back, because yeah. the idea, I think, is to get Hall playing with Pasta and Krejci, hopefully. I, I think that's an exciting line. Yeah. I don't I don't hate the idea of Zaka Krejci Pasternak. It's just a question of love what do you idea. do with, with the other guys. Yeah, I, I know. I know. Like I, I wonder how Jim's gonna get creative with, with his line pairings, uh to, to particularly to start the year. I mean, could could we see a little taste of Taylor Hall on the top left wing spot with Bergeron and 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 DeBrusque? And and I'm fully on board with what uh Dom Tiano, co host of this uh Black and Go Hockey podcast is saying is don't mess with DeBrusque. Don't, I mean, even though he's a natural left-handed shot, don't just assume him over there and get back onto his natural side and, and be comfort. Let's stick with him on the right side, even though it's his off wing and so on, but don't mess with his head. He's, I mean, just keep this train going. He's doing good. He, he had a solid second half. I don't care what anybody says. I thought it was a solid second half and really proved that, the trade request and, and whatever happened, that whole scenario was just that was business. But on the ice and so on, he really, I think, put forth what he needed to do to turn the minds of like some fans out there that that don't roast him on the over the coals every freaking day. But um, I think he's going to have a bigger year, but I don't want to see him like I don't want to see it get into his head that. He's got to be one of those types of players that has to bounce around from line to line because we saw it in the past. I don't think that works with him. I like that he likes to be comfortable and consistent with with a certain class of people, and and that class happens to be Patrice Bergeron, which is your 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 best two way center that's uh, that's still playing, and your best one of the top, I would say five left wings in the world in Brad Marchand. Oh yeah, um. I'm I'm gonna bounce back to Zaka really quickly. In Go his draft, it. in his draft year, he had 64 points in 51 games. He, the offensive production, it's it's okay. you know it's there. You, maybe if he if he plays with a team with actual players, you know, unlike New Jersey, if he plays on a team with players like Hall, Krejci, Bergeron, Pasta, maybe that offensive production is found again. And like you said, if he's playing alongside Krejci and Pasternak and he has actual players on his line that can produce offense, then you could see a really big breakout year from him. I really think the skill is there. I think he's, I mean, what was he? This, uh, the sixth overall pick in yeah. 2015? Look at Captain Nostalgia bringing up 2015. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I do not want to talk about 2015. <laughs> no, no. Listen, go back and talk and go back on the Something Brewing Drinking Podcast yeah. and, and do your do your due diligence and listen to these guys hammer oh. the 2015. Draft. Yeah, we, we talked that subject to death on like episode two, I think it was. 
But Nathan Anderson, when are you getting a podcast on the network? I don't know. I don't know. I was going to do one with Kevin a while back, and I think it just never – our schedules never lined up. Um, but I, I always love hopping on and talking about it. So. Absolutely. We'll have you on yeah. more often, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but, I think on, on the topic of DeBrusque, it's – Yeah. I, I honestly think, like, let's just completely get left wing out of our – like, let's just think of him as a right wing now. There's plenty of guys in the league who play their offs. I mean, Alex Ovechkin – has always been a left wing. He's a right shot. Yeah. The Brooks does a lot of good work coming in from the right. I mean, the the goal that just sticks in my head when I think of DeBrusque is that game seven against the Leafs coming in on the right side, just oh. kind of tucking it to the middle a little bit and <laughs> roofing it, just shelving it. I mean, like the the guy can play on the right side. And and you got Marshawn, you got Zaka, you got Hall on the left side. It's too crowded over there. Put him on the right side, and if you can get him playing with Marchant and Bergeron, well, if if that is not a fluke from last year, then all of a sudden your top six looks really good. Yep, exactly. I like the idea of a more productive um, point production this year, um, and I want to see more five on five. Uh, I uh, stathead.com is a fantastic website for really off the wall stats and so on. And uh, I went on there and I noticed the last two seasons, the Boston Bruins five versus five have not uh, met the league average in um, shooting percentage five on five. So, and those might be derived or underlying numbers from like, uh, like the high scoring chances and so on, and not just block shots and so on. But I want to see more quality shots. And I think that that is something that can go on the defensive side as well. And why the addition of uh, a coach like John Gruden could be important because I think that our offense needs to be more, needs to generate more from the back end, more quality shots on, which creates secondary opportunities and so on via rebounds and and tips and so on um but if you're not putting the puck on the net it's it's not going to happen so regardless of the lineup what we're going to see in the beginning of the season i think that that's going to be a heavy thing to think about is where we're getting opportunities and when we should actually use them it's not it's it's an interesting stat because the last two now before that before the last two seasons Every other year, it was weird how the trend was. Every other year, the Bruins had at least met the average or beat it. So, kind of a weird thing to think about. Yeah, I know. I, I got you eyes in a mental pretzel right now. It's, I love it. it's a weird one. I feel like we see it with the Bruins a lot. Like, especially in play, like come playoff time, it's kind of like the Bruins are, are a weird team with shooting because it's almost like the more success they have, the the worse it's going to be in the future. Like they get almost two, they start scoring goals and then they think about, all right, now I want to score a goal that's going to get me on the top plays tomorrow. And it's like, they'll, they'll pass up. I mean, Marshawn's a, a great example. He's a guy who, when he's playing his best, if he has an open shot, he's taking it. And a lot of, and it, you know, He'll get it saved a lot of time, but he's also picking corners. He's he's ripping them off the glass. Like he's dangerous. He's shooting the puck. 
And then he'll go into these little funks where you'll see him on a two-on-one, and he's got that open shot that you just saw him score 15 goals earlier in the season from, and he'll pass it right into the defender's skates or something. So yeah. it's, it, it's something that I've noticed just watching. So it's interesting that the stats almost back it up on a, a wider focus that if they have a better season, then maybe they go into the next season thinking about that or something. But it's it's been weird watching it to see how it plays out because it is definitely noticeable that they have success and then they get a little bit too cute. And it you, you see everyone just yelling, shoot the puck on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, let's um, end um, this uh, awesome Bruins hockey talk. And I really appreciate the uh, time, Nathan, the full ride. And obviously Mark uh, Whitfield earlier from uh, from England, the UK, uh, and uh, and Mike Sullivan jumping in from the uh, the host of the Something Bruins Hockey Podcast and writer over at blackandgoldhockey.com. Appreciate the time, gentlemen. But let's end this on this one. Realistic expectations of Fabian Lysel. How Ooh. how are we feeling about Mr. Fabian cracking the NHL lineup this year? Uh, certainly going to have his opportunity to do so. And I kind of have a feeling on one guy because he's making it really known on Twitter, if you can see it. I mean, on, uh, on YouTube, if you can see the video. He's pretty much jumping out of his seat. But uh, I'm going to go for Nathan on this one. Go ahead, Nathan. <laughs> He's a lifestyle's a tough one because it's very, very easy to think he's going to be the next, the next big thing for the Bruins. Um, and it's tough because we've seen teams do it. Um, who's a play? Carolina had a great player last year in the play. Like he, he's 20 years old and uh, he had a great season, but I think it's also tough because we've seen, right, Poss is a great player now, but he had his struggles when he was a young guy. And with some of these some of these young kind of playmaking, scoring type guys, you don't necessarily want him to jump in right away. I, I could see him playing for Providence. If he's killing it with Providence, maybe, then sure. Give him a shot if someone goes down, see what he can do. But making the team right from the jump and playing a full 82 with the Bruins, I think, is probably not the most realistic thing. I'm excited about him. I think in the future he'll be a great player. I hope he turns out to be a great uh, a great winger and a great scorer, hopefully, for the Bruins. But I don't see him playing the full season this year. Mike, go for it. All right. I agree with you, Nathan. He's he's not playing a full 82. If you put him into the lineup right away, it's not going to – you're going to mess with him. It's not going to be good. I think that he plays maybe, you know, beginning of the season he'll be in Providence for sure. And it might be something similar to what we saw, in my mind, what we saw with Tyler Sagan where he came into the lineup towards you know almost post-trade deadline comes in a lineup you start seeing him a little bit more on a regular basis you know he got 45 50 60 games in providence he's lighting it up he's doing well um and then you move him up into boston and he gets in in the later you know parts of the season starts to see a little bit more vice time and then you kind of have that um that little 
energizer boost for the playoffs where maybe where maybe you can see him sliding into a role maybe playing a little bit of third line maybe some guy on the third line fourth line's been kind of slack and been dogging it he's been he's been having a couple of bad games and you put this young guy in the lineup who's ready to go and he has the energy he has those young legs he has the motivation to really go 110 percent every single shift that he's out there and prove to the hockey world that he's you know a name that most people should know do I see him in the lineup in the beginning of the season? No. Do I think they should put him in the lineup in the beginning of the season? Absolutely not. You're going to mess with him. You're going to mess with his mental state. You're going to mess with his game. Let him develop in Providence. He's not going to be that guy who's going to jump in the lineup early in the season and light up the world. That's not him. Let him develop. Let him gain the confidence in his game in the AHL where he gets to the point where he believes in his mind that he's ready for the NHL. And when he makes that step to the Bruins, it's not premature. He's ready. He yeah. he knows what he's doing. So maybe in the later in the later stage of the season you'll see him. I don't think you see him in the beginning. See, for me, and and just going by our conversations with, with Dom Tiano and Kevin O'Keefe. Kevin, what up? He's uh Kevin's in the house. Um and he's at the fair sitting on a bench while the girls are on ride. So he's tuning nice. in to the <laughs> nice. live stream. Thanks, buddy. Um, yeah, I, I he could play up to nine games without the contract, um, you know, burning a, a year off of his entry-level deal. So, um, and there's, there's he is listed on uh, Elite Prospects as as a potential going back to the WHL in Vancouver. I don't see that happening at all. I think, really? think that yeah, I just think that his eligibility to go back mm-hmm. there is why that the Elite Prospects team put him there, which starts a lot of different conversations about um, no, he's not playing in Providence. He's going to uh, Vancouver again for a second year. I mean, that's an option, but I don't think that's going to be a realistic one. I think that he's going to go in the AHL and. You know, I, I, it's the contract for me, the, the three, the three year entry level deal is if you look at it on cap friendly or Puckpedia, whichever uh, cap uh, website you prefer to use, you can see that a player like that. And if he excels really, really well, he's going to get paid. Um, a lot of players like that, that first round talent that really break out. And I know Lysel is a higher first round talent. Uh, and, and, you know, and not, uh, you know, your first uh, 10 picks per se. But if he plays really well, he's going to get paid. So you need to line that up and say, is it worth him playing more than nine, 10 games and, and burn that year? And now you're bringing back his contract negotiations a, a year further in. And and where, where are you going to be at your cap at that point? I just don't see um, the emergence right now. Uh, with him being inserted in the lineup, very exciting player. I totally get it, and I and I'm I'm ready to, to to see him. But without moving a player like Smith or anybody else to create that cap flexibility, I honestly don't see um, him coming into the lineup uh, this season at all. If no. he earns if he earns games like like Jack Ashan did, uh, you know, and being that next that next guy up mentality of break glass in case of emergency when somebody gets injured and he needs to get a game like that absolutely i'm not saying he's not going to make the nhl this season but to schedule him into the lineup right off out of training camp is a little premature in my opinion now when you say 
um it was it was nine games if he plays nine games then that burns a year of his his uh rookie deal yeah does that count playoffs as well or is that just regular season no no um black aces can still play and then not they don't they don't go under those uh those rules when it comes down to like the contracts and so on and and how the cba is structured Nope. Okay. So maybe I see him come up with like eight games left in the regular season. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> That's funny. Look at you. Nostalgia yeah, busting in hey, and out. I need the hat. I need the hat. Dude, now I'm gonna make you one. Now I'm getting now I'm getting one. <laughs> I really I'll wear it. I'll wear it. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Um, we are coming up on the two hour mark of this program, so I think we should probably tap out for now i like to keep everything around two hours so uh i do want to mention before we go the uh the patreon account is coming back i know we took a little bit of a hiatus but uh we're doing a bit of a different structure this time um we can't do the weekly prizes anymore the signed pucks and, and so on uh but we are going to keep the week uh the monthly jersey hand side giveaways going so um, we have uh, a little bit of an inventory building up over the summer. So yeah, your, my, your financial um, uh, contributions did not go unnoticed. Uh, you guys have pretty much uh, bought a, uh, a whole season, a whole month of seasons of hand-signed jerseys come up. I'm going to take a picture of, the, of all the jerseys that we're getting. So um, more to come. Uh, Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia has been a fantastic uh, partner in this. So. Uh, we're going to be keep doing that. And, and obviously the, uh, the, the uh, place to go uh, down below for the Patreon is uh, black and gold hockey podcast. Um, sorry, patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast. If you want to donate and get involved in those uh, monthly Jersey giveaways, we'd certainly appreciate it. Um, with that being said, I'm the host of the black and gold hockey podcast, Mark Allred. That is Nathan, Nathan Anderson. And he writes for the blackandgoldhockey.com and does a fantastic uh, YouTube uh, program as well. Please subscribe over there to his, his other platform. And uh, Mr. Nostalgia himself, Mike Sullivan, <laughs> down there. Uh, he, and he is the uh, host of Mark McDonald's in the house. What up, Mark? What up, buddy? Um, and he's the host of the Something Brewing Hockey Podcast. Uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and um, and hopefully these uh, these beauties get a YouTube channel because I want to see what Zach is really like on on uh, on the thing. No, you don't want to. You don't wanna <laughs> see. <laughs> I know he sounds like a freaking hot mess, man. <laughs> but anyway, uh, thank you all for uh, for participating in this uh, this live stream Bruins Hockey Talk. We really appreciate it. We're going to be doing more of these as the off season continues, but. Um, I, I would like to do one uh, during this, uh, the regular season once a week as well. So maybe we can get a group of uh, B&G members together and even some some passionate Boston Bruins fans that want to get involved too. I could have up to 10 people on this platform. So I think it'd be a nice little uh, weekly round table maybe. So um, we, just, we just love creating content and so on. We love what we're doing. And, and if you want to get involved uh, with uh, website writing, uh, uh, Bruins related hockey podcast. Uh, either you're an individual or with a family, um, hit, hit it up. We want to get more people involved in the podcast network. Um, so uh, send me an email at black and gold productions LLC at gmail.com if you want to get involved in a small sports media company. So that's it, folks. Um, thank you so much for everybody that's tuned in. We really appreciate it. 
And like I said, we're going to be doing this more often. So please subscribe to the uh, this YouTube channel and hit the notifications bell. So when we do a new one, you will be you will know when it's available to watch. And uh, we're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. We're on all the worldwide platforms. So we'd appreciate uh, if you guys left a comment and five star rating. That'd be freaking fantastic. But until then, until next week, um, and uh, we're gonna keep this uh, this train rolling. So. That's it. I'm done talking. I'm out of words. I'm out of words. It's been a long, a long two hours. But thanks, uh, Nathan. Thank you so much. And I want to thank yeah. uh, Mark Whitfield, and I also want to thank Mike Sullivan, obviously, uh, for their time today. We'll we'll do this again soon. This was a lot of fun, and I think this should be a regular thing. Definitely. Yeah. All right, guys. Take care. Us. See ya. All right. See ya. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at Black and Gold Pod, at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.